This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling it's a good time to like it because we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes he is chris novembrino i am jeff hawkins aka not so slim j <laughs> oh chris i have i have nothing to start with in terms of banter <laughs> um i just realized that i was trying to think of something i couldn't think of other than that i mean you know other, to... other than karen carpenter playing drums which i'm sure interests nobody other than us so yeah no no she's she's a very 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 underrated overall musician uh <laughs> I, I no i i don't think she really gets her due uh todd in the shadows did a fantastic episode on the carpenters a while back and really did make a case that she's just like a much more elite level musician than I think uh, history has really written her as well um, we're so up, maybe a little bit of a reevaluation in there you, there, there's your arcane reference for the week kids <laughs> but hey we're under a time crunch this weekend so uh, let's get I to got the a news. gig to go to people you need to come down to Bolskis after this <laughs> show Name right after the, yeah, it's called Bolskis. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, they need oh, to. I know what I was gonna say during the the banter. I did a three hour Twitter Spaces last night. I have learned. Uh, most of the conversation was great. Don't get me wrong. Most of the conversation was great. You'll get some people who want to monologue a little bit. Um, I talked for pro wrestling for three hours last night, Chris, and I was even watching most of it. There you and go. Rob McCarron came in with a train in the background and actually blew up the space as he is wont to do. So hello, Rob McCarron. Thank you for showing up. But uh, anyways, to the news, Jeff Jarrett gone from WWE road dog. Oh, you didn't know back in the good graces. So Jeff Jarrett was uh, executive vice president of live events. He leaves after three months with the company yeah, or so he would have had you believe. It's actually been Road Dog the entire time. <laughs> According to Wrestling Observer, it is believed that bringing Jarrett back into the WWE was Bruce Pritchard's idea. Pritchard pitched the idea to former WWE CEO and chairman and man about town, Vince McMahon. McMahon agreed to bring Jarrett back. Um, but with Jarrett gone, it opened up a spot for Triple H to bring in someone from his team. And, oh, you didn't know? You better ask somebody. James had been released wwe in january he was working behind the scenes with nxt along with hbk under triple h's leadership interesting because it's it's started to swirl look jeff jarrett is always going to be around professional wrestling in some way there was some talk that possibly him and conrad thompson were looking to either open a fed or possibly even purchase impact back which i don't know if i'd want that again I don't know. So, for some reason, I think Jeff Jarrett's gonna gonna show up one night on AEW just as a one shot. I don't know. That's me because he's gonna. He's get already done that. He, he was in the Bullet Club. Remember? Was he in AEW though, as part of the Bullet Club? 
Yeah, yeah, I think he had. Or was the bullet, that all? But... That was all out though, or that was all in, or whatever okay, it was. All right. That was all right, all right, free thing. But no, I understand that. But uh, does look like Triple H is starting to get his soldiers lined up, uh, at least uh, for for a run. I don't know. Uh, he likes his guys there. Uh, Bruce Pritchard, not a Triple H guy, but um, it is apparently rumored that he is a guy who will uh, do the bidding of whoever is in charge. No way. That that <laughs> really doesn't seem to mesh with other reports. Yeah, I, I was uh, fascinated by Jeff Jarrett's indie run this this year, uh, where he was doing like GCW and feuding with Effie. And, and things like, I, I find him intriguing as an on-screen character more than most. I, I mean, I liked the build to Flair's last match. Uh, no, I think I'm there with you, too. I, I kind of liked Jeff Jarrett, uh, uh, this sort of aging character. He's, he's working for me. The old gunslinger. Like I want that somewhere. It's like, but, you know, we have that already in AEW with Dustin Rhodes. Uh, so he's not needed. It's not going to be in WWE. I, you know, another indie run might be in him. <laughs> but I don't want to see him in charge of another wrestling organization. I know that this is his blood and everything, but he's already had what two, three shots at at, at the at the at the champ, and he's missed. It, it's time for Jeff Jarrett to think of something else to do. I think in some ways. It, no, you're right. I think that there's only really one move left for him to do at this point, and that's to purchase WWE. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Somehow this all ends with Jeff Jarrett owning WWE. <laughs> na, 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 na. He comes out. He, he pins the big dog at WrestleMania. And Jeff Jarrett, you're WWE champion. Oh, could you imagine? Oh. Anyways, moving on. Big E on Ryan Satin's podcast, uh, giving a mixed uh mixed bag of of news he's he's going to be cleared to live a normal life and but he's not going to be cleared for uh you know hitting taking bumps and whatnot it looks like he's not going to need surgery but his in-ring future very much in doubt the nature of what we do is very physical and involves your neck and your spine and i'd like to keep that as intact as possible so that you know i mean <laughs> You're both happy and sad. You're like, man, thank God he doesn't need another surgery. But also, oh, man, there goes there goes the money right there. There goes the career. And it's not just because we want to watch him, but it, you know, he was making good money. I mean, they might hire him as a producer. They could always do that or someone backstage. But if you're in that position, you know, there's always that, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could be on the other side of it kind of thing. Yeah. Um I think it's a minor miracle that he's going to be able to have a normal enough life, uh, given what the prognosis or what the potential prognosis was looking like several months ago. Most, um, oh, go ahead, sir. I, I would just, I would look at this as a W, not an L. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I, I really am. It's one of those glass half full type things, I think. I uh, mean, most people don't get the opportunity to make the kind of money that this guy has gotten to make in his life. Um, True. And though his, his opportunity to make it got cut short. I mean, like that is also applicable to uh, any number of professional athletes across any number of sports, professional um, athletes and actors, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, you know. exactly. So, uh, I mean, you know, I, 
I do feel bad for him, of course. I like and I enjoy him as a performer and all of that. I, I I guess I just sort of like look at it as uh you know, but you actually got iron. something that most people don't get. Yeah, he also has irons and other fire, so it's it's it, it's very right. And that's the other thing. It's not like I, I mean, you know, you mentioned acting. He can go and act now should he so desire. True. Uh, <laughs> My mom sent me weird messages. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. You want to talk about your mom? We can no, talk about your mom. No, no. She just, she just sends me this message. You got a good mom, Jeff. Throw your don't cheese slag, and butter don't her. <laughs> like that. I'm trying to read this note. <laughs> so a text message comes up. Just, just a little behind the scenes stuff. But anyways, uh, heading over to AEW. Backstage meeting this week before Dynamite. Speaking to the people. Tony, Chief Legal Executive Mega Parekh. Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho both trying to uh, soldier up the troops. Uh, reports are, you know, varying depending on who different sources talked to, but uh, a little bit of a conversation about quote unquote contract tampering or negotiating or what have you. Uh, also the, uh, the leaks going out to certain wrestling media about feelings of backstage stuff uh, within that, the news that Eddie, um oh god i forgot it. i have eddie's eddie's name here and i don't forget his last name give me eddie uh kingston eddie kingston thank you god what's wrong with me today eddie kingston was suspended for a couple weeks due to an altercation backstage with sammy guevara after sammy guevara cut a promo on him making fun of his weight uh Reports from the backstage meeting, though, results mixed depending on who you asked. Of course, some people felt that Kenny Omega's speech was a little, was needed to uh, buck up the spirits. Others felt it was a little bit heavy handed. I come out of this going, I'm, I find these meetings interesting because when you look at the people who are talking, it's uh, three officers of the company and Chris Jericho, who's kind of a de facto officer of the company. It feels a little bit like a management browbeating rather than a uh, buck up the troops meeting, Chris. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened back there, but um, if you were sitting back there, I guess it would depend on how you feel you're being pushed at this time. If you feel you are undervalued as a performer and not getting enough TV time, you'd look at this as, oh, sure. The people who have stroke are telling me to feel good and feel better about this. If you're in a good position, you're looking around going, yeah, you guys should be thankful that this company exists type of thing. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a, a morale booster, I'm not sure whose morale's getting boosted. And I think this is coming at a time where the AEW locker room absolutely needs a bit of a uh, rallying behind the troops sort of moment. Uh, I, I don't, Oh, I guess we can get into it more when we talk about dynamite. I, I just don't think the reality of who their competition is now versus who they were six months ago has settled in yet. Um, they're up against a very different week to week product in with wwe now i mean it's not like transformational but it's also not stuck in this endless seemingly ever getting worse holding pattern this it's is not a in a creative show. rut no this yeah. is a different show yeah. I, I we can kind of go blow by blow on it but like, i'm not saying it's the greatest show i've ever seen or anything like that i'm just saying there are so many different pieces of evidence to suggest that this show is changing and it and it feels like aew isn't adapting to the changing tides 
Um, instead, they're giving like this speech, which is like the wrong speech to give at this particular moment. Interesting. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get into some of the ratings and stuff, because I mean, the numbers were good this week across the board for everybody. Uh, staying in AEW, uh, Thunder Rosa giving up the women's uh, title. This might get a little lazy rivery, but uh, the way this was handled was interesting to me. Chris, I don't know if uh, I don't know how you felt about this, but doing a backstage segment and then you had Britt Baker's promo saying, I, I defended this hurt with a wrist injury, even though we didn't know what Thunder Rosa's injury was at the time. And then also just for me, at least there's a bit of a bad taste in my mouth about, uh, about, Look, when CM Punk had to give his title up, he got uh, it was a it was a rather big to do, and he got to do it uh, on camera on you know on the biggest stage. This was a backstage segment that was just kind of thrown together, and thirty seconds later, it's like, oh yeah, the women's title is 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 uh, is up for grabs now. Yeah, um, the slapdash nature of creating an interim women's title uh and, and the, the sh- I, just, I think it diminished the belt a little bit um and, and i mean this is already a show that has way too many titles on it too uh i mean it's good that they consolidated one in- interim championship into the other one they rolled that together um, I guess we can argue if that was a successful roll-up or not like in terms of rolling those two titles together did that get the heat back um but based on whether or not you thought that got the heat back, I think that's how you'd have to calibrate whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing that they're doing an interim women's championship uh, rather than just have Thunder Rosa drop the belt entirely. What What did you think of Britt <clears throat> calling her out? Um, what did Britt say again? Britt, Britt reminded everybody that, well, she had defended her title with the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the entire time. I mean... I, I now I remember what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought that that was maybe setting the table for Thunder Rosa to go heel on the return. Like I at found least- it in bad taste at the time because we didn't know what Thunder Rosa's injury was. So we can't just dismiss it. I mean, I, I, you can view it two ways. You can view it as, okay, Britt's trying to get heat off of that in the live audience type of thing. But it it, it, it always... And maybe this is just how how I view it at times. Those types of things always feel a little bit more personal when you don't know the nature of the injury type of thing. Like, it would be more heelish if I had known that Thunder Rosa, because she came out with a statement and said, had a bad back and needed to rest it for a while kind of a thing. I'd have more sympathy for Thunder Rosa. But from, from what I was watching, because they never announced the nature of why she couldn't defend it, it felt like Britt was kind of calling her out for not toughing it, toughing it out a little bit more. I mean, look, given the dynamic that we know in this locker room, uh, you have a lot of people in the locker room who we've had reports on who have what I would typify as elevated senses of self. And it's entirely plausible that some of that is playing out on screen between Baker and Thunder Rosa. Business looking pretty good for AEW, though. AEW sold out in Toronto. <laughs> um, found out on the on the, the aforementioned uh, Twitter Spaces call last night from friends in Canada. Turns out this is on the opening day of hockey 
which is going to be very interesting for Canadian ratings up there. Also, a new Survivor Series went on sale for Boston. Uh, the pre-sale instantly sold out. General sale also immediately sold out. WrestleMania numbers, 49,544 for the first day, 50,122 for the second day so far. Wrestling's gotten interesting again, I guess, to the to the uh, to the ticket buyer willing to spend. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, th- this year where WWE seems to be heading trajectory wise now in the post McMahon era, that WrestleMania show, the first post Vince McMahon show, it's gonna be an important moment in time. Uh, I, that's gonna be a big show. Uh, I, it's going to be a really big show. I think a lot of people are going to see if we're going back to sort of like a Triple H. We're finally getting the Triple H version of what WWE is going to be or like what the new WWE is going to be. I think it's going to be very clear come WrestleMania. And so, yeah, I, I would expect one numbers and viewership to just stay up across the board because I think people are interested in what WWE is doing. And I think people will be interested in seeing how AEW reacts to that. Um, and, and I think that will be good for both companies, at least in the short and medium term. Yeah, ratings were pretty good this this week. Uh, AEW did over a million for uh, for their show. Raw over two million this this week and did not drop in the third hour. Uh, and, and SmackDown maintained over two million uh, on, on the previous week as well. So... Uh, going into football season, which is always a little bit of a crusher for wrestling ratings, especially on Monday nights, uh, I think wrestling is going to be kind of competitive again. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Hunter and his team tackle the Monday night fall dilemma of keeping ratings strong while up against <laughs> you know the juggernaut that is the NFL. 15 weeks of the undertaker appearing when kickoff starts. That was always kind of the, that was always kind of the Vince method. It was always be like at 5:20 Pacific, 8:20 Eastern. It would always be, that's when the big thing would happen. And at the time it was the undertaker, I think during football season. No, you know, I, I think you're sort of speaking to the one thing that feels so nice about watching this show is there are just so many Vince isms. And Vince go-to moves that are no longer being done as the go-to move for how you like book stuff or how a, a promo is scripted, where a promo occurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's nice to see the Vince-isms get stripped away from professional wrestling. Some of them will always remain, but it is nice to see some of them going the way of the Dodo because it was long overdue. Personnel moves, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane were scheduled to go to the main roster. They did social media video talking about how they were going to take over SmackDown from now on. That video has since been taken down and something that it's possibly plans change. And lest anybody think I buried the lead here. Third hour of Raw, the return of one Johnny Gargano to the WWE. He is now a member of the Raw brand, had a very good, I think, debut, held the crowd quite a bit in that opening promo. 
moment did not seem to overtake him. And it seemed like that Toronto crowd is going to condition the American audience is not used to Johnny Gargano treated him like a star. And I think Gargano kind of gave a good explanation of who he was and what he was there for Chris. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Jeff. I, I think Gargano did a fantastic job connecting with the crowd, sort of hitting the reset button, reminding us who Johnny wrestling is, but also doing a nice job calling back to the past of, of Johnny wrestling. It'll be interesting to see how much of the way is sort of reset because we already saw a little bit of Austin theory. Um, but but I I think uh, I got to circle back to something. Uh, when we're talking about Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, I noticed that you didn't entertain the option of hackers. <laughs> Somebody had to take down the video. Somebody had to take down the video. Obviously, we're gonna speak. I'm gonna speak a little bit about toxic attraction in a, in, a, in a second when we get to the lazy river. But uh, I I absolutely adored the moment because Gargano seemed very loose out there, which was very very nice. Uh, I'll I'll kind of uh, I'll kind of go. I'll compare it to a promo on AEW. I think in a moment when we get to the lazy river, uh, because I wanted to compare it a little bit to. Uh, Ricky Starks's promo, but you know, always in the hard camera for the most part was playful. I loved, I adored the baby wrestling chant. I, I mean, he knew that was a joke coming in. He had his lines ready. He had his script ready. He had his bullet points ready, whatever it was. And he knew he was getting to that joke and he hit it. And I thought that was, I thought that was great. I think that his promo, like many of the other promos, it's so nice to see the bullet point style of promo being done. This didn't feel like, yes, there were, yes, it didn't see, feel wordy. Oh my God. It, it, the Vinceisms a lot of times happen in the dialect, like they, you know, decimate. Um, uh, even uh, I did notice Wesley invoked head on a swivel, but he almost did it jokingly this week. Like, like the, when he said it and he did the actual head on the swivel thing, like it was almost like a reference to the Vinceism of head on a swivel. Cause this is the only place you really hear that phrase used anywhere near the, to the amount that it's used. Like, um, like the, uh, yeah, the other thing is he was, he was able to kind of, gauge the audience flow and energy as opposed to I have these lines I want to say and I need to get them out and I'm going to fight against the audience he was he was interacting with the audience yes. during that debut and I thought that's that's what you need man you need a guy who can control the crowd and a guy who has bullet points but can uh, can move a bit I, and this is where I'm going to counteract it with with Ricky Stark's promo I did not like this promo I think he he hit the landing but overall, if you watch his body language and you watch it, he looks like an actor who's trying to remember lines. He He's felt like, really overly scripted. Yes. That's he was looking at contrast. Yeah. 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 He was looking at the ground for a lot of it. He was moving around as opposed to staying still and looking right directly into the camera. He had this kind of weird manic energy. I thought at the end he hit it, but it felt like, okay, I have, I have scripted out this promo. I have memorized these lines. And then he's trying to remember the lines when he's in there, as opposed to, okay, I'm going to hit this point. I'm going to hit this point. I'm going to go out there. Let's see what the audience says. And it was really, it was almost odd how not confident he was in that promo. I agree. Um, and I, I think uh, to circle back to Gargano real quickly, um, I think the Gargano promo is sort of evocative of 
the overall sense that I get from like WWE show now, which is like, there's a little bit more of an understanding of how to bring back unpredictability, if not full out chaos. One, you don't have to do McMahon bring chaos to bring <laughs> unpredictability to wrestling. And Gargano's promo is a great way of doing this. You, yes, he's going to go out there and you have a general template of what he's trying to get over the message he's trying to get, but how he's going to do it, how he's going to play the song it's not exactly the same way every time. And if you right. played it a hundred times, it'd be different each a little bit each way. And that level of unpredictability is super welcome and super fresh. Um, and, and yeah, like it contrasted to Starks where like, dude, I just wasn't feeling Ricky. I, I, I just didn't feel like this is, it almost had the same issue that a lot of like Sammy Guevara's attempted baby face promos. Have. Yes. Yes. I, I think the natural cockiness, uh, that got him to the dance to be a baby face was gone. And then now it's kind of like, well, now I have to kind of be likable. And I, now he has to figure that out. And it was, he came out angry and almost a little bit maniacal. And you're just like, what does he do? It, it's, it, was all, it was fidgety. I think he's... It would be good he if feels, he... Okay, go ahead. Uh, no, no, it would be good if he would actually speak to what he was trying to say at the moment that Hobbs betrayed him. Yes. Because I think, like, the fact that that's still kind of an open question or certainly open to interpretation, um, Starks could use that to conjure up sympathy or something. Maybe the moment's passed to do that uh, He now. was trying when he said, you hit me in my neck. He was trying to get the sympathy blow there, but it was just like one of those things where it's it almost came off whiny to me like it, i, I we know friends. i had i had that same thing too where it's like you have a bag of my freaking neck like it and like it on one level like it is really jacked up especially because like later on although flip of this later on in the show moxley targets an injured limb and we're supposed to morally receive that as good <laughs> um, or at least neutral. So, like, I, I don't know that the blocking there is even clear. So, I'm with you. I think, uh, yeah, no, no, Starks' promo really did miss the mark. Well, I, I think also there's a little bit of, let me, because I've seen these comparisons a little bit, and I wasn't buying into it until the, the staging of this promo. It's really trying to be a little bit like The Rock with the unbuttoned shirt and, you know, the, the, uh, almost the swagger type of thing. And I'm just like, people love, I mean, I, I don't want to say he's might only be a regional baby face in the South, but I'm kind of frightened by that. But people don't want to see whiny Ricky Starks. They want to see cocky Ricky Starks. And I just, I just don't know. And, and I mean, the big thing that's missing here is like the, there is a gulf between Dwayne Johnson's promo. Yeah. Yes. Even in 97 or 98, uh, when he was, I suppose he was really catching fire. And where Starks is, pro I've never seen Starks put together an amazing, amazing promo. I've seen Starks do great matches, got great charisma, great fan connection, like Starks a lot. Uh, he is not a Dwayne Johnson promo. Um, yes. Yeah. Yet, sure. Um, we'll see. We yeah, will see. Yeah, I, I, I would have rather, you know, I know he came out as angry, but. He almost came out as whiny angry, and you're just like, oh, man, that, that's I, not a good You know, look. I'm just thinking, like, well, you and I watched him a fair amount in NWA, and, yes. and I didn't necessarily see the World League promo thing there either. He's just, 
Oh, he, I, I saw, I saw, I saw it a little more than you then, because I really liked his promos in NWA. I, I like him, and I think yeah. it all, it all works. But I didn't think his, I, the promos were enough to get him by. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah, it was how I felt. And with that, that ends the news portion of the segment, although we did dip our toe a bit into Lazy River, and for now, it will now be the Lazy River of wrestling criticism. Whatever we watched this week, be it classic wrestling or modern wrestling, I think it'll probably be mostly the uh, latter, the modern wrestling, because there was a lot of it this week. A lot of it was really good, but whatever comes to our mind, we can talk about here. I will start this week, Chris, because I, I uh, I have been slagging. Uh, I, our show is usually taped on Friday and now that we tape on Saturday. Well, I, must... I mean, the, the, today we taped on Saturday. So yes. we tape on Friday. Yeah. We usually tape on Friday, but that also does not give me a chance to properly praise SmackDown as an interesting, fun watch that has become under the triple H regime. Now, last week's SmackDown, I am, I'm going to possibly overpraise this a bit. I don't think they are the greatest team in the world, but toxic attraction and especially JC Jane did not have the moment swallow them up in front of that crowd, especially JC and the character work. I know that people were going, well, this match wasn't very good. Okay. No, but can... she is, but she, she was, is. she was yeah, very but she good. Is. And for those who don't see it yet, just mark my words. She will. She, waiting. She's and also, really good. And also go back and watch, you know, six to eight months ago or back when Toxic Attraction was first put together, where she is obviously awkward in doing the sexy, the quote unquote sexy walk, as I call it. You know, the yeah, no, down. no, no. And what a transformation in like under a month. It's like she just like clicked in four weeks for her. But this past week, I also watched that fun time. We'll go into back and forth a little bit, but. It had inset promos, which I thought, yes, bring back the inset promos directly to the camera, talking about things. That's a WWF staple from the 80s that was missing. Pat McAfee and Michael Cole are both joys, but but Pat McAfee, you can just feel him letting loose. You can feel Michael Cole letting loose. And Michael Cole has been sneaky good during this time. I know a lot of people hated the overselling during the McMahon era that he'd do. But he is a very, very good play-by-play announcer when he's allowed to be. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I will always just refer people back to the Japan show that they did maybe about nine years ago. Oh, now, yeah. Where Beast, from Mike, Beast from the East show. That Beast from the East show, Michael Cole, is a delight to listen to. He is calling all the moves exactly as – it was as though on that particular evening – he was setting out to prove a point to anyone who ever doubted his ability to actually call wrestling that he could call wrestling um he absolutely 100 can and his performance over the last like you know two decades here is a product of listening to vince mcmahon and performing the vinceisms to vince's utter satisfaction and constant satisfaction or near constant satisfaction for two decades um he's really great he really is I think they're doing the right thing with Karrion Cross and his presentation. I know a lot of people don't like Cross. I get that. But the presentation of the character itself and the promos he's been cutting have been quite good. And going to the comedy realm, Sami Zayn is just absolutely fantastic doing what he's doing as kind of the flaky member <laughs> trying to get in on the b- bloodline. And within the whole Pat McAfee, Michael Cole chemistry, going well the return of the greatest feud 
in the past decade in WWE, Bailey versus Michael Cole. And Bailey coming in and giving Michael Cole no quarter on commentary. And then Pat McAfee also not giving Michael Cole any any leeway as Bailey is just denigrating him. It's just it was it it's been a really fun watch these past two weeks. Oh, I know. I I one of the things I didn't even realize I was so excited for was just the continued feud between Bailey and Cole, especially now <laughs> that Vince is not, not going to be in their ears when they're in the commentary booth against one another. It's going to be so much fun. They're, 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 they're going to be it's going to it's going to get so silly. Bailey screamed last week. Bailey screaming at Michael. That's JC Jane, Michael Cole. <laughs> I have notes behind it. He's just like absolutely miserable while trying to talk. And Bailey's basically telling him, no, these, these women are pretty good. You should pay attention because uh, there's no big, there's no bigger, there's no bigger cheerleader for the women's division, in my opinion, within the company than Bailey. And it's great also. Yes, absolutely. Uh, no, I Look, I just everyone feels so much more relaxed from top to bottom. It it's, does. It feels like, it, like at my job, we had a higher up the creator of our software, but she was wound real tight, and she would scream and cuss. And when things went wrong, even little things, she'd take it out and things like that. And she's the one who knew everything about the product. And then she retired this year, and since then. Even the people who were below her that kind of kind of uh, took their cues from her style have lightened up. And even though she was the person who knew everything, everybody else is far more relaxed in their job. And we may not know everything, but it's a much more congenial. Dude, less- the commentary of how everyone feels about Vince is this weird nonverbal thing that gets conveyed yes. on the screen every week. It, it, the way everyone is performing in his absence speaks volumes about how they felt about his managerial style, particularly in the most acute last days. And and I want to get the AEW stands. I, I just want them to back off a little bit because it's not going to be perfect. WWE. It's not going to be a 180 from what they've used to do. Want to know why? Because they're the most profitable company <laughs> in the in its history. This is the most profitable that they've been. They don't need to change all that much, guys. It's going to be baby steps. And and yet they're still changing more than a company. It's not as though they're yes. just standing pat. I mean, the, the, the way matches are longer. It's more they're a multi-week. Based backstage yes. segments yes. that have builds off this whole Adam Pierce looking for this guy who backstage <laughs> who is causing chaos. Um, that has been going on for several weeks here. You now have the introduction of cross show storylines and callbacks to history. Um, I caught one uh, callback from Owens that was over seven years ago to a match mm-hmm. with Zane. You have all of the stuff with the Gargano way. Like th- th- there is a deep, tying back to history now all of the time equity that people spent building certain storylines and that sort of thing now they can be called back to it is not a constant now sort of booking like vince had there is no past but what happened two weeks ago and, um and, and what is coming up at the pay-per-view and, and you will get this is a yeah. full story now yeah and you will get easter eggs too within yes. that because I don't know who's now staging or or how this mantra came down about staging the backstage promos and backstage interactions, 
but it's it's worth watching all of them, even just for the background stuff. Like someone will be walking and there's Pierce talking to a bunch of security guards on hand looking for and, Dexter and, Loomis. And he has a picture. No, he had a picture in his hand. I'm not sure yeah. who the picture was, but but that would make you, let's say you don't know who that picture is. Now you want to stop that. You want to screen grab that and zoom in on it. You get rewarded yeah. for paying attention. There and, was... We okay. never said you get rewarded for paying attention uh-huh. anytime on this show in the last 12 months. You, I, I, you could go back and read the transcripts. I don't, they don't make transcripts. Don't do it. But we, we <laughs> if anything, what we said was or the negative. Send $5. Yeah. Yeah. You want, yeah. If you'd like that. Yeah. McLaughlin group style transcripts. Yes. yes. That's what I want now. Yes. <laughs> Chris, All right. Chris, we found our Patreon. <laughs> Issue number one. All right. No. Uh, so um, if you like look back at the way we've talked about this show, I think it's very clear. We, we say recur- on a recurring basis, you don't get rewarded for paying attention. That has shifted overnight. Now it is so clear that you need to pay attention, especially backstage, because stuff is happening. Um, and things might set up an angle that starts off after the pay-per-view. You might have the seeds for the next story starting before the upcoming show. You just want to stay invested. Um, I, there are a lot of things that this company is doing right now that are quite interesting. And and yes, I'm with you. It's not all going to be perfect. I I don't think, you know, there will still be WWE isms, but it's not impossible to imagine an era now where, for example, women are no longer required to wear extensions in their hair exclusively as professional wrestlers. <laughs> I'll give you two more. There was there was a background thing. I forgot which interview it was, but it was po- it was after the women's tag thing, which was. Uh, let's put it this way. The women had a hit hot and cold week, and most of it involved Aaliyah being cold. But <laughs> nevertheless. There's a there's a background argument where Nikki A.S.H. is chewing out dewdrop that my eyes were just absolutely drawn towards despite this. And you're, it wasn't really drawing focus per se, but it was enough to notice it where I'm like, OK, if they start that feud, we'll know why now starting next week. But also even the video package, the Drew McIntyre video package was fantastic this week. They're just slowly resetting all these characters i mean kevin owens i think is the most obvious yes. promoter of this right like, that like is you know. triple h's kevin owens in nxt right there <laughs> oh yeah it is yeah it is uh he's he's the stone cold kevin owens that vince didn't know how to actually present right this especially this week uh, you know yeah it was bizarre world because he's in canada or whatever but I also just think it's you're getting more of that swag. You're, you're getting that that Triple H Kevin Owens, and and yeah, he he's the clear sign that the reset button has been hit. And for guys who aren't getting TV time necessarily on the main shows, they're allowed to do what they do best on other shows. Like my example is uh, main event this past week, I believe was uh, was the Cedric Alexander and and uh, and Ali Mustafa Ali tag team taking on T-Bar and Shelton Benjamin. And that match was a banger. And look, they're not getting a lot of great character work here. They probably might get a little bit more, but they're allowed to go out there and put on a nice 15-minute wrestling match that shows everybody, hey, we're not just these goofs who go out there and get smashed by Bobby Lashley all the time. I I really, uh, you know... The wrestlers can go out there and wrestle, and then we'll work on the character work here and there. And you know what? We'll eventually 
we'll eventually start uh we'll we'll eventually start being a much more diverse uh bigger roster i mean it, it, yes you are right they're not going to hit home runs there are some uh questionable choices in terms of personnel they have brought back i am still questioning hit row in many ways but i understand why they did it um no i I get it i mean and there's also questionable choices as who they haven't brought back for example the beloved character slapjack (laughs) oh that came out of nowhere thank you Uh, (laughs) it is it is your turn on the lazy river (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let us talk now let us speak of cm punk (laughs) cm punk versus john moxley yeah i'm into it um look uh, this is a really interesting choice by the company in terms of how to resolve the top belt and put heat back on it i am unsure if it worked at this point okay good i hate i hate to be canny and say let's see how this plays out (laughs) but i i am saying let's i guess i will say i am being canny here and it is on the basis of i am unconvinced it worked at this point it was certainly a move i am with you um and and i'll i'll go over the reasons why i think they're probably very similar I don't mind this kind of match. In fact, at first I thought, well, maybe this is Punk's punishment for, you know, going up because we found out, you know, last week about the whole uh, going out on his own about the whole Adam Page part of that promo and and, and thought, okay, nobody's above the law. Here's his punishment. Then he just chose to take that like a man and do it. It feels like an angle, but it feels like a nut terribly thought out angle and it's one of those things where i don't mind championship matches being like this real sports is sometimes like this where you get the super fight and then all of a sudden it's domination by one person but of course that was the whole point a little bit of wwe and what they used to market was like yeah you'll like during the time of tyson they used to market themselves and jesse ventura had a uh interview i think it yeah was you're not gonna get three minutes of action yeah. you're gonna get like an extended gonna, y- yes. yeah it's never gonna it's never gonna fail to uh do that on the other hand if they're doing this and and they're gonna give punk an immediate rematch at all out i punk's gonna have to cut the promo of his life to me to get them in there now can he do that sure i i have no i have no reservations about punk but, being but it's more people. than that now you have to like get over that the foot is fine like like yeah. punk would have to beat the crap out of moxley for weeks on end now and basically just established that like i don't know or they're gonna have to heavily baby him in chicago because that's where all these are at this week right it's entire week and they're gonna have to do that at the expense of moxley which is interesting because when when punk came out in cleveland this past week he was getting a smattering of booze now are they anticipating moxley possibly getting some booze in in Punk's home area? I'm sure they are, but I think he's going to get him now for targeting Punk's weak limb. I I mean, I get that that Maybe. that well, I mean, think about how like the Chicago crowds are always like just eating out of Punk's palm. I you know, it's yeah. MJ it's MJF in Long Island. I I mean, it's sort of a punk can do no wrong sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I might be I, I think might be Mox, undervaluing I, that. That that might yeah. be a good point. 
especially if Punk comes out and spotlights that Moxley took the coward's way out to win the championship. That it, Moxley basically like like a you know like a snake or something you know targeted a weak limb. Uh, you know what? Oh, what a dominant performance, John! Oh, wow, you really beat the best of the world when he wow. was at his best. That sort of thing. I wasn't uh, thinking I, about that, but that that's a good point because because we talked about this on the Dynamite show that I did with Paul Fontaine, and he and uh, he's also thinking that this is this is the route they're going to kind of take. But I had forgotten about sarcastic punk coming in and and really putting it over that way because. Yeah, I interesting if you watch the tape of course he he kicks with the foot that he doesn't grab which is very interesting in some ways some people were going, <laughs> well some people were thinking well I mean that happens too in, in in sports all the time the plant foot is the one that that gives out on you which is good but at the same time it's one of those things where I'm like are they going to really put this obstacle in front of him to make him have to overcome it during that match I was thinking it was such a dominant win that you couldn't possibly go back to that. And you might do page versus, uh, versus Moxley here also wasn't the biggest fan of the Moxley promo up to a point. Cause I think he should have, I mean, if you're going to do it this way and, and do that, you have to heal Moxley a little bit. And I wanted more. I wanted less. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. I'm the heart and soul of AEW stuff and more about punk. And if we're going to go hard into this, Punk is a locker room cancer type thing, which I'm sure he took offense at. And that's why he gave the receipt to Adam Page, but making it a little bit more personal between Mox and Punk versus uh, versus just professional who's getting the accolades type of thing. Now, someone else also put maybe maybe Punk does something like put his career on the line for the rematch type of thing. And I wanted your take on that as a stipulation. I mean, I think that certainly heats things back up, right? Uh, you know, and it, it, it opens the door to a non-finish too, where Punk doesn't win the title back, but also doesn't lose his career. Um, and, and that sort of for Punk fans would be an, enough to make them feel like the day was a win, so to speak. Um, I like it. I, I think there's a way to heat this back up, but in a, in I, a week. And, and like one go home I, show on Wednesday. I know, uh, that's the problem, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that. That. And then that's you have my, the other issue of problem. Everybody getting everybody people else jazzed, Twitter. getting yeah. people jazzed for a hot shotting of the title yet again. Yeah, it, it's right. Twi- like, oh Twitter man, I can't wait to see someone it. else get at the belt or see the same guy get the belt back a second time. Yeah, from the within other a guy. week. Within, within a week. week. And a half. Oh boy, right, what 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 drums. Yeah, if this had been thought out, you do this over a month and you build that heat back and, and you get that. I think fans of AEW are a little bit more forgiving of this. And, oh, of course they can do that. I'm like, I'm maybe I'm just too old school and I just don't think so. I mean, no, for the fans, there'll be fans of that. But like for me, I, I guess I struggle to say I am more excited about the fate of the AEW World Championship this week than I was last week. Okay. And that's after a belt transfer. Um, Moxley has been an interesting interim champion, but it didn't feel like the Moxley storyline was like building to this transformation into him being the legitimate champion. It felt like the Moxley storyline was about making him a formidable like challenge um, that he was so kind of like out of left field in terms yeah. of making him the champion that we needed to build him up to formidability. And then 
it almost feels like having him dominate Punk is a bit of is a kind of the final overcompensation of making him feel valid. Um, that's where I'm at right now. I suppose my needle could be moved, but boy, they have to they have to put together a humdinger of a go home here to get me to be convinced that this was like a super well thought out strong move next week. I, I mostly agree. I'm gonna stay on AEW. I adored the Dax Harwood Jay Lethal match. I I am of the opinion that they very poss- good. That I am of the uh, I am of the possibility that they were talking backstage and Jay Lethal being such a Ric Flair fan, and Dax Harwood being an old school kind of guy said, "Hey, let's do a Flair Steamboat tribute type match here, but doing it our own style." They chopped the crap out of each other, and I am here for those types of physical beat down a guy until you can get your finisher on type of matches. And you, I mean, and look, I'll give credit where due. It, it perfectly counterbalanced that six man main event, which was nothing but flippy do stuff. And, and, you know, modern style type of wrestling that other people tend to like a lot more. This was for me. This was my, this was, this was my prime rib station at the buffet over here watching, watching Jay Lethal, Dax Harwood chop the crap out of each other. And I adored it. I'm with you. I, I, this match, uh, I was, this was the match that got me into the show. I didn't realize that it was basically the uh, only thing I was going to be grabbing on the buffet line, but this is very much like arriving at the buffet and going, Ooh, that first item looks fantastic. And like, <laughs> and at least I had the good sense of loading up my plate with the first item. I've now arrived at the end of the buffet line having really only put like, you know, one little like spoonful of CM Punk and Moxley onto my plate. And otherwise, like, like, look, I I get that Osprey and Aussie Open Open versus Dead Triangle is some people's cup of tea or whatever. But like Aussie Open is just not a very hot story to me. Death Triangle is not a hot story to me. And so like, Good wrestling, absent good stories, just doesn't hold me like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not yeah. one to critique moves all that much, but some of Mark Davis's forearms took me out of this, and he's the power guy. And I was yeah. just like, those have no power behind him. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying I, the I, beating parts of this match. I'm with you. Um, I, I definitely, I, I don't want to like single out and like linger too long on a match that I just was never particularly invested in, in the first place. But right. like Davis. Yes, when he was pitched as a power guy, I kind of like looked up and I was like watching him. I was like, I guess, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. No, like, that, that was kind of mine too. I, I, it, I, I like it, it, It's like uh, Joe Coffey as the power guy. Yes. Like, like, you might buy him sometimes, but then there are other times you're like, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, but but not like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's not Walter. Let's put it that way. Yeah, let me let me put this to you. I'm sorry, Gunther, Gunther. Gunther. I mean, like, don't don't come at me on the Discord for botching the name, people. I'm sick of it. <laughs> uh, they've, been just, they've been just nauseating lately. Your thoughts on the way that they just decide to book kind of a dream match versus the story match uh, for FTR and Wardlow now taking on Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns on loan from Impact Wrestling. Uh, it is <laughs> your, your cat was like ah, motor city machine guns <laughs> right I, you know okay here's the thing chesterfield cat is a bit tired 
of bringing in talented guys who are not necessarily doing a super interesting story or just feel like an adjunct to it. It, it he has to watch this stuff as much as I do. And he, he doesn't get the, he doesn't get the big hello fresh paycheck here, Jeff. He, he's untainted <laughs> by the money. He's untainted by the money. And for Chesterfield, when he sees these guys from impact, he's like, okay, yeah, they're here this week, but okay. They're not going to be here like in a month. So like, whatever. Tony wanting to please the crowd. I, I am not the biggest motor city machine guns fan. I'll, I'll admit that. It's all for me. It was always the guys on the other side that were more interesting. Be it the, uh, American Wolves, or they're like solid hand guys. I mean, they're, they're that, that's what Chesterfield watch. would always say, right? He would always say that these these guys are solid hands. Not gonna light your world up. He's yeah. fine with them. He's fine with them. But I'm also then looking at the strategy of that. I'm like, well, okay, so you bypass Sotnam Singh as part of your six man to get the Motor City Machine Guns. I think this is the real problem, right? To take like, on this is, Wardlow. The, the <laughs> point. The point here should be to start getting over Satnam Singh. And this is a tremendous vehicle to get Singh over as a guy who is on par with Wardlow while still having Singh's team lose, while still making Singh look good, while still protecting Wardlow. Like, all of the boxes you would want to check are checked here. And that's the thing that baffles Chester most of all about the motor he's they're eschewing it for the super match at the pay-per-view because the aew faithful are in are are strictly in the newsletter star rating work rate bubble as opposed to furthering this angle which they can just do on tv again and and they'll they'll be forgiven for it i mean all the twitter was a, a a lit with oh great finally getting to see saban and shelly on the bigger stage because they're dying in impact. And I understand that mentality. I do. It's just one of those things where it's like, they you almost have to compartmentalize the pay-per-view within the narrative of what's going on on Twitter. See also, uh, you know, Omega and, and Osprey back and forth feud on social media going to be paid off on TV, even though they kind of only have addressed it slightly, but Hey, what, quote unquote, what's everybody knows. Everybody uh, knows. I so, I don't know. So uh, what's oh, happening? Osprey and Omega have been, have been uh, for the last year have been uh, sniping at each other on, on their Twitter accounts. And that was the whole oh, reason cool. why they came out for, uh, for the end of the show. And apparently Omega, I mean, I watched Omega's promo after, and that should have been on TV because it kind of would have explained some things, but they're going to, they're going to uh, do this six man trios tournament uh, title match, uh, not the title match, but, but tournament match on dynamite next week in Chicago, uh, ad- Chicago adjacent. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm to then still set up, baffled to then set up by the singles match for wherever it's the singles match is going to be baffled by the tweener reintroduction of Kenny Omega. Yeah, just, just baffled by the reboot. We'll reboot you as a tweener. Yeah, cool. No, yeah. that's a, that, that makes the most sense of anything. Sure, I'm I'm with you there. I, I find it. Uh, I've I just I don't get it. This is the chance. This is <laughs> right. the chance to reintroduce him in painted strong colors. No, no, we need to we need to remember the story. I'm like, no, the story's done. The story was done when he left. Now he's right. reborn. I mean, if I, anything, the story is that the young bucks forsook him 
in yes. his moment of need. So the idea that he would come back and be like, I, I can't wait to help you guys out. They left him out to dry. They handed the belt to, Pe- uh, to Adam Page. Yeah. I was going to say Adam Pierce, but Adam Page. Yeah, I just, it's, oh, there's a long-term storytelling. You keep telling yourself that. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it really does feel like there's no week but two weeks ago. I'm yeah. just saying. Your turn, sir. Ooh, okay. Um, well, that basically wrapped uh, AEW for me. Um, so then I guess we need to talk a little bit about the NXT here. Um, interesting show. Interesting Very. show. This is the first time you really felt like the multicolored vomit is starting to change colors. And <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'll start with something a little more light, but I liked it. Charlie Dempsey showing up at Chase U. <laughs> I Regal thought this kid. was interesting. Yes. I thought this was like, like obviously they got to integrate people from NXT UK, now NXT Europe, but Charlie Dempsey, really interesting character in the Chase U like storyline or whatever. Um, the exchange does, student. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. Do, does Mr. Chase like him? Does he feud with Mr. Chase? Does he become Mr. Chase's star pupil? Does he feud with Bodie? Uh, like, all right. Do they do, do Bodie and Charlie Dempsey work it out and become a tag team under the guidance of uh, the, the wise Mr. Chase? A lot of different ways to go. I like this is this is a fun new character into this universe, and like I liked watching Charlie Dempsey do a little stretching. I thought it was a great way to get Dempsey over. I'm, you know, I'm with you here, and I think NXT. If I could find a happy medium between the AEW Dark Universe, which is reps, reps, reps in terms of uh, dark matches and 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 squash kind of squash matches, maybe extended matches that nobody really cares about. And the NXT character work, I'd have a great wrestling show between the two of them because AEW needs to do more character work for these people on their shows so that they can go from single A, double A, Rampage, Dynamite. And NXT kind of needs to teach these kids how to wrestle, even though they're knocking it out of the park on the character work at times. And while even though the I mean, okay, knocking it out of the park on the character work might be a little bit too strong, but they're 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 highlighting it. When it's working, it's working. Yeah. I mean, look, are the characters all great? No. Are they all winners? No. Could they be better? Sure. But they're concentrating on the thing that's gonna get them to the dance. And character work's gonna get them to the dance in a WWE universe more than work rate is. And now, if anything, they... we're seeing the belt being loosened a little bit on wrestling too. So like I, I expect to see more work on NXT here uh, in the coming weeks. Uh as dopey as it was, I liked the button on the index angle. I agree. No, I I no 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 because it wraps back to the other shows because yes. the Johnny Gargano way is the story of the week. And now it integrates Monday and Tuesday together in a meaningful manner that would make you want to roll over viewership from Monday night to Tuesday night. You know who probably likes that a lot? USA Network. USA Network probably heard about that idea and the fact that that's going to be a thing and it's clearly going to be a thing, people. Um, And though they don't have their belt yet and they want their belt back, let's not forget about that. This is certainly a nice little cookie to salvage their appetite or, or save their appetite 
appetite until the main course shows up. And I think, you know, yeah, by the way, we're going to try to make NXT more relevant again. We're going to try to get NXT viewership up. That sounds great to USA execs. That's a wonderful thing. Um, their, their main shows numbers are up and now it's probably going to have a ripple effect on NXT as well. And I'll go with something I liked with it, something I didn't look. The lights out match has a long storied history of what it is. And it's not turning the lights out. It's basically, it turns the lights out for a second, turns them back on and goes, this match is not sanctioned. That said, I enjoyed Wendy Chu and Tiffany Stratton for what it was. I liked the transformation or at least a little bit of depth of Wendy Chu's character because she's a great performer, no matter what the medium is. Tiffany Stratton, Still rough around the edges. Did not like this look on her, though. Did not like these. Really? I thought this look was like an interesting change of pace. I liked the braids. Okay. I did not. I thought it was, I thought it it got in a little bit of the, uh, we need to talk a little bit about cultural appropriation territory. Okay. Um, All right. I, I, I don't, don't disagree with that read. Um, I, I guess my bigger knock was the like blue light. Yes. in the ring yes, that's it was, not it was what lights yes it's that's not, not what lights, lights out it, that's no. not what lights out is um i i the review or summary i'm reading invokes sinkara it's kind of like yeah it, i mean it, it was too obvious i saw it too but like yeah no uh yeah that it, said uh, mad respect for taking bumps on the legos legos effing hurt okay? you know it was funny a, a while ago on twitter um, the, uh, it's sort of one of the spots where otis took the body slam on legos made the rounds and people were like oh Oh my God! They're doing bumps on Legos now. They're plastic, blah blah blah. Have blah, you ever blah, stepped on a Lego? With no, a yeah, I know, I, I know. And, and it was funny because it was this dichotomy of normies who don't watch wrestling who thought it was the fakest thing in the world, and people who do watch wrestling going, "No, it's horrible." Which I think actually serves as a fair critique of the Lego spot in the sense that, like, you guys are really killing yourself for something that I think the layperson thinks is a comedy slapstick, what up, 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 um, like banana cream pie in the face sort of thing, and it's instead extremely painful. Yeah, Uh, I I don't have any more modern notes, so if you have a few more of whatever happened this week, because my my button is is a classic wrestling thing, but uh, go ahead. Okay, um, Mako arriving in NXT 2.0 yes. oh, answers, answers the question of is she going to be there? She is. That's going to be awesome. Hell um, yes. I, I, yeah, no, I, I, there's so much tread left in the tires for what you're going to do with Mako Satamora. Belt her. Belter, 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 make her silent and just really get over. She is the final boss. I hate Um, Blair Davenport in this because I am not a fan of Blair Davenport. Boy, that was goofy pants. Like her, like, and and them, her standing between Mandy Rose and Mako is the only bad beat in this. So she's standing between them. And it's like, they're both holding belts. And both of them should super kick Blair Davenport in her stupid face and say, wait your turn. I want the dichotomy of dead serious killer Mako Satamura versus a gimmick like Mandy Rose. That, that to me, you know, I, I yes. Someone who, I, I mean, the tension is so clear here. You have Mandy and, and great. And actually like sort of like very nicely done. You have Mandy Rose. Who's all like, put some respect on my name. Meanwhile, Mako Satamura is respected. The second you say her name. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's a wonderful dichotomy for a babyface heel dynamic. I, I think it should be a feud. It was such a mistake to include Davenport in this yes. when this is, this is like such a natural long-term thing where Rose 
the reason her heel motivation is simple. She realizes that people actually respect Satamora, yeah, and it drives her crazy. Yes, you need and to even give- though Satamora is not the champion, yeah. she still needs to beat Satamora because she wants respect in her name. Meanwhile, Satamora is just as badass. Uh, it, it's it's a wonderful storyline. Uh, it's slightly overcomplicated now because Davenport. Yeah, and Mandy needs to get like one cheap win just to piss everybody off. You know, I don't like I don't like the three. Yeah, it could be in a tag match wherever you do, but Mandy has to get a cheap win over Mako somewhere to really get the heat up here. I don't like the addition of Blair because it's like now we got to work in this third thing into the story as well, and. It'll probably be Mako pinning Blair to win the match or or the other way around. It'll be Mandy pinning Blair to win the match. And I I want to see this feud. I want to see I like right, the right. this is this is a wonderful three match feud where where Mandy Rose wins the second one under dubious measures after Satamora wins the first one clean. And then we have the chase to the, the third one. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and it is brutal and it gets Rose over as formidable and people do respect her at the end of it, but Satamora wins. Uh, it, it's a very simple, elegant standard tale that would actually do a lot for Rose. Cause like, look, uh, I think she has improved as a wrestler. Yes. I think that having a long feud with Satamora would put some polish on her and make her look great in the finish. And then you can take all of Toxic Attraction, put them on the main roster, and they're ready. I mean, that's yeah. all you really need here is, that's is all one you good need. feud where she can, you know, she's solidified her character in this thing. Uh, you know, is she the greatest wrestler in the world? No, but she doesn't have to be. She does enough, and that's fine. I'm, she's I'm not fine bad. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, she's not. She's not bad. And she has improved, too. People don't yes. see because she has incrementally improved as opposed to just woke up one day and, and great, but she has definitely incrementally improved. And 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 being down at the PC has done some good things for her, even if she may not be happy down there anymore. But uh, anything else uh, from the week? Uh, Braun Briacker still boring. <laughs> still boring. Boring Briacker. He's boring, but you know who isn't is Von Wagner. Uh, okay, like Von Wagner's interesting in the same way that like Rey Mysterio's promos are interesting. Yes, yes, yes. They they are so bad that that they you now have to laugh at them. But yeah, well, he's great. trying something. He's trying something in there as opposed to, you know, he's decided I need to break out with my promos. And now he's trying things. It's like watching a baby try and walk. It, it's I swear to God, though, Jeff, every time I listen to him off screen, it sounds like he's just stoned off his ass as he's trying to be a heel. It's like I want that now. like you're you're a monster heel but also you're really 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 high listen up all of you need to fear me because i'm bigger than every (laughs) single one of you i could come out there and with so little effort just crush every single one of you You make him a heel monster riddle in nxt hey man you You think you're so great man but like I could beat Braun Breaker. I could. <laughs> my dad could beat up your dad too, and Wayne. My dad owns a dealership, and like, <laughs> yeah, every month I get a stipend. It's fine. He's covering my rent, and that's how I pay for the penthouse. I just, I want, I want an NXT vignette of Wayne Bloom and Rick Steiner, just going. 
What do you think of your kid? <laughs> uh, that would actually be that would actually be a great way to get that few things. Like like Vaughn is the fail son, uh, and and like Rick is like imminently proud of of, of Braun Breaker. Rick's almost he, intimidated it, by his son's success. Because no, it's Rick's like, like Goofus and Gallant, right? Yeah. Like like yeah yeah like yes, Braun is Goofus and uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Braun is Gallant and Vaughn Wagner is Goofus. Yeah, I, I'm here for that. Uh, I, I will I will give my last note here. I, I did watch some classic wrestling um a bit. And I'm gonna say something because I know a lot of younger fans don't uh, don't get it and they'll they'll watch the latter stages of this guy's career and they'll go, I don't get it. Greg Valentine is great. I'm watching some early 80s stuff of him, and look, he he was not a charismatic dynamo ever. But he had this gruff realness to him, despite you know the, the 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 attempt at the pretty boy blonde mullet and stuff, and his selling and his punches. I'm I'm watching uh I'm watching him in Georgia and also Mid Atlantic in the early '80s. Like he's doing this feud with Piper leading up to Starcade, and, and 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 right before that, and he's doing a little bit of his tag team matches with Ric Flair back in the old uh, NWA Mid Atlantic territory. This dude, man, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get it now. And I didn't appreciate it when I was a kid because it was always the, oh man, it takes Greg Valentine 60 minutes just to warm up in a match. I go, well, that's just because he's boring. He ain't boring. It's just, he has a certain understated charisma that you have to kind of appreciate to, to, to know. And now that I'm kind of an older wrestling fan, I really am appreciating it. Yeah, he he's always had. I liked his look because his look was sort of like a bizarro baby face from the nineteen eighties, where it's like he wanted to look like a baby face, but he was a bad guy, and you could tell that by his physique. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that 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 might rile people up, and but this was just me as a kid. Me as a kid looking at Greg Valentine, I go, that's just white trash trying to look like Ricky Morton. <laughs> you know that's 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 like a trailer park beer drinking dude just trying to look like like a, a pretty boy baby face yeah no no it, it, and that's how i scanned him as well but it completely for me like conveyed a like good classic mid card upper mid card type of character but this but you guy watch him on thought promos. he was one thing yeah. yeah you watch him on promos and when he's angry you believe it, that dude's gonna kill you, man. I just he got mad at Piper. I went, Oh man, he's gonna kill Roddy Piper right here. And I believed it. I was like, Oh man, I, I didn't see enough of this kind of thing. And of course, that's what w, WWF would always kind of do that to you. I mean, they never let their guys really talk. And when I first became a fan, it was when him and uh Beefcake were the dream team with Johnny Valentine and they were the tag champs, but they weren't really bringing any kind of I mean, Brutus Beefcake was mostly the charisma of that team. So, and and Valentine was just there as kind of gruff muscle. So, I never really got into the the great period of when when Greg Valentine was great in terms of like '82 or even the late '70s or so. So, yeah, I mean, this has been fun watching him. Fantastic! All right, Jeffrey, I've got to go yes. and play some music for people at Bolskis. Yes, this has been Shake the Rumps. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at DWATG. You can just follow the show at Shake the Rumps, all one word. My plug's real quick. I am a part of Fight Game Media on Wednesdays. I do the Dynamite Show for five bucks a month. Join the Fight Game Patreon. Get my hot takes on Dynamite. That is patreon.com slash, I believe, Fight Game all one word or fight game media. I can't remember right now, but yes, the dynamite show with myself and Paul Ace Fontaine. Chris also has a Patreon. He will be able to remember his URL. He's going to tell you about it now.
Oh, okay. You're, Hawkins really throwing me under the bus now. It's patreon.com oh, slash. No, I'm I'm joking, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, patreon.com slash <laughs> Dida. Don't ever step on a hyperlink. That's like <laughs> rule number two of improv. Oh, it's yes and don't step on a hyperlink. Oh, patreon.com slash DWATG is where you can find. Don't worry about the government. Uh, if you sub up there, you can get a discount as well on my uh, uh music lecture series so you get the video version of the show you get a discount on the music lecture series i just did the nirvana one here this last month here that's also available on demand if you're interested in that it's two hours long actually two hours and 15 minutes and it includes a full breakdown on how to play in bloom at the end um you can message me here either on instagram uh, on instagram i am Instagram.com uh, slash Dr. Nove. If you search for Dr. underscore Nove as well in the search function, you will find me. Message me on there. You can get an on-demand version of the Nirvana and Grunge class. That is 120 minutes plus 15, so 135 minutes. Math is fun and easy. You can follow the show on Twitter at Twitter.com slash DWATG? No, just search for at DWATG. That's not how Twitter works. So at DWATG is how you find the show on Twitter. My name is Chris Dombrin. I teach music lessons. I'll be playing at Bolskis tonight, people. We'll be um, playing Freebird. No, not for you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.